0: This has been an incredible bounce back for sports, and it's just going to get better. Welcome back to episode 26 of Inside the Minds. My name is Chris, and I'm joined by only two of us this episode. Uh, Kevin's got some stuff that he's got going on. What?
1: There's three of us. Bart's muted, so there's three of (laughs) us. Bart,
0: Bart muted himself.
1: Anyway, <laughs> it's okay. It happens. There's three
0: of us. There's three of us this this episode. Kevin Kevin won't be joining us today. Like I said, he's got he's got some stuff he's got going on, but oh he's man. got some
1: uh, duties to do. He does? Well, <laughs> right. he's not pooping. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. He's not pooping. Yeah, yeah.
0: How are you guys doing?
1: <sighs> you know, I'm good. Uh, Chris, by the way, it's episode 27. You know, I'm glad I was able to correct you there. Um, (laughs) Sorry, just had to correct you. Yeah, sorry, let's not fight. Love you, dude. Anyway, um, but I was just going to say, how about the Hawks, man? How about the Hawks? It was incredible. Um, Last Friday, they closed out the series, and I was super excited. I did not expect this at all whatsoever. If anything, I thought it would go five games, but, hey, we're here. We're facing Vegas, and I can't wait for it.
2: Yeah, that's gonna be wild. I like it has been a sports overlord. Uh, overload. sports overload. There you go. Uh, overlord oh, yes. um, and and it has been so hard to keep track of everything going on, right? Baseball has, has been getting going. Uh playoff hockey has been absolutely incredible. The NBA has has uh got it, it shit going. And yeah, and we have even have some some college football news. That's not exactly great, but <laughs> no, not necessarily. I don't think so either. We will go into it.
0: Absolutely.: Yeah, so later on in the episode, and I'm sure as you've seen from from this title and from social media, we do have a very special guest coming on to the episode in a little bit, uh, right after we get through some of our sports talk, you'll find out a little bit more about who he is. Coming up a little bit later. But other than that, I mean, have you guys been doing any any updates in the last last episode? Guess not. Just
2: just just just
0: sports. Just that. Sports, just that sports. Yeah. Yeah. Sports. So,
2: <laughs> oh, and UFC too. Let's not forget about the UFC. Yeah. I caught a little bit of that on <laughs> uh, on Saturday as well too. Lewis with the dominant performance.
0: So I honestly
1: thought that would have been a closer bar, but yeah, we'll get
2: into it later. So absolutely
0: my girlfriend is getting her wisdom teeth taking out. I'm going with her and her sister tomorrow and they're both getting all four of them taking out, taken out at back to back hours. So yeah. by the time that this episode is released, I'm pretty sure that they'll both, both, both be out, out of their, Respective surgeries and starting the road to recovery. So, but at this point of us recording, we're still kind of uh so kind of that stage where it's like, well, we'll see, we'll see how this goes. But I'm confident it'll be fine one way or another. You guys got your be eating mac and
2: about? cheese.
0: Oh, we'll see. She's not like she's not really looking forward to eating that much because she doesn't want anything getting stuck, you know, in the in the gaps of the of where teeth used will, will at that point used to be. Yeah. So, when I got
2: my, my I wisdom know. teeth pulled out there. They're, they're yeah. called, they're called dry sockets, right? So you just gotta yeah. like spray salt water back there. That's what um, she's really yeah, afraid those, of. Those do really suck. But I mean, I, I pretty much ate uh mac and cheese, applesauce. And I think after like three days, I was kind of almost eating back to normal. So,
1: so I didn't get my wisdom either removed, but Kathy did. Uh, and my, Kathy, and my wife. That is nice. Anyway, I had to throw that in there, a little borat. Um, But she did, and the, she got two of them removed. And she was super hungry and sedated, and she wanted Chipotle. And a couple hours later, after she fell asleep, uh, she wakes up. She's like, I have rice in my sockets. Uh, that
0: were, oh, no. that
1: were removed. And I couldn't really say no to Chipotle because you know she was kind of she's kind of craving it after surgery. So, but uh, that that was an interesting story to, for her to tell.
2: <laughs> yeah, ice cream is the way to go too,
1: and apple juice, uh, and sauce, apple sauce too. Apple sauce is a good one.
0: I know Bart, you told us about this. One time, not the one time, but hopefully the only time you've ever gotten your wisdom teeth taken out. Like, did, didn't you have like an experience with that? Am I remember uh, that, right? Yes,
2: the the sedation. Yes, yeah, for me, for me, it was a joyride. Okay, I couldn't feel anything. Right. So when you're sedated, you're completely numbed out. You can't move. So the entire time I was pretty much just trying to like lift my arms and my legs. I was like kicking my legs. I was smiling, even though like nothing was happening. Right. I wasn't moving whatsoever. It was a, a joy ride for me. And then they injected something. I knocked out. I wake up on a bed. I was like, all right, it wasn't too bad. It was just the days after it was kind of, it was just annoying. Rinsing your mouth with the, uh, Salt water isn't isn't fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, Bart, I never uh, got my wisdom teeth removed, but I did get sedated for surgery. Uh, and the last thing I remember was obviously, this is a harder kind of knockout, uh, but they essentially injected something into my veins through the IV that was there. And I started dozing off, all loopy and such. And then I, I wheeled my way to the operating room, and it was for hernia surgery. So transferred me from my bed to the operating table. I saw a light. Doctor said something. I answered some. He told me I answered something funny. They all laughed, and then I started to snore. And then there's my sedation story. That's all I remember. I can't tell you if I started kicking or anything, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah
2: my, my my mom also had, when like, when she got her wisdom teeth pulled out, hers is a little bit scary of a story. So hopefully this doesn't happen to Megan and her sister. But uh, she felt like spiders were crawling all over her body. And obviously you're numbed out and you can't move. So that was like she was very creeped out. She's very scared of spiders
1: now too. So, 1st don't tell Megan.
2: Good
0: God, I'm I'm glad this is going to be released after after they're done with this.
1: Don't yeah. tell Megan. Just my do God, it. yeah, it's it
2: pretty scary.
0: No kidding. So when I got my two bottom wisdom teeth taken out, that's the only wisdom teeth I've gotten taken out so far because my tops came in and they haven't really bugged me at all they've just been kind of there and don't really feel the need to get them taken out. If I don't really have to, and they're not making me uncomfortable, you know what I'm saying? So my story is that I walked in to my dentist's office, right? Because my dentist, he's also an orthopedic surgeon. So he's kind of like the guy who knows how to do it all. Um, And I only say that just because I know that there are some dentists there's orthopedic surgeons, and there's not a lot of like the combo. Am I getting that right, or am I just you got? I thought you guys were dental no experts.
1: Yeah, I don't, yeah, don't know, we're not. Kidding? I don't have I don't have a dental degree or anything. Are you serious, um, Matt? I can so you I do to well, us. I can
0: well, I mean, Matt. I can pull
1: those teeth with pliers. I months, can, but I, I can I was, be a Google doctor.
0: <laughs> we have a Google Doc. Yeah. Um, Does that count.
1: Well, I've got an MD <laughs> and. WebMD, does that if that makes
0: sense? Sure, yeah. Yeah,
2: apparently I've gotten <laughs> cancer a few times according to WebMD. So
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> no, but I walked into my dentist's office. They're like, "Okay, right this way," and I sat in the chair, and he's like, "Okay, here's a numbing agent," and he put it on my gums, and he said, "Okay, we're gonna give you a shot of Novocaine," and he put that in, waited five minutes, and then he pulled them out.
2: So you so, so you were awake then, right? I was
0: awake, yeah. Fully that, awake.
2: I'm kind of glad I didn't have to do that because that sounds awful.
0: I am kind of glad I did it that way, honestly. Because once I was done, I stood up. I'm like, all right, let's drive home.
1: And then he drove home after.
0: I, I didn't actually drive Chris, home. Chris that would have been, that, that been <laughs> incredibly dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't drive home, but I, I just felt good like... Once it was done, I had some water, you know, that like salt water solution that they gave, well, they gave to me at least, but they gave to me and I spat it out and then just went on my merry way. And then my ex girlfriend broke up with me later that day. So (laughs) it's a good day.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well,
2: that's that's good times. Do you you want to talk about it, Chris?
0: No. No. I'm just kidding. Honestly. Oh, oh, wait, I actually got my wisdom teeth taken out like seven years ago, almost today. That's crazy. And I know that because it was like three weeks right before I moved into NIU. So, yeah, I'll, I'll just tell the story really quick. And <laughs> if you're listening, no hard feelings whatsoever. It's a really funny story to me now. So, basically, I... I I get back home from getting my wisdom teeth taken out. And I'm not saying I wasn't like dazed or anything, but I was kind of out of it still. Like, I guess the the whole trauma thing from getting your teeth removed or something like that, it was still kind of affecting me. The adrenaline was going anyway. I was still recovering from that. And I remember it was like six hours or so after I, I gotten, back home and i was still out of it i remember getting this like really long text from her and in essence it just said like i don't think this is working out and i'm pretty sure i just responded i just said okay
2: (laughs) that is a proper response that's
0: the way i remember it it's probably not how it happened but it's the way i've been telling the story forever and that's how I just we'll remember it. And then the next day, I remember thinking, "Wait a minute, I see a breaking. Up, broken up with."
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Should we get her on the
1: pod? <laughs> uh,
2: no, we reach I, don't out? Think,
0: I, I've, I have a strong inclination. She would not want to come on this pod.
1: No. Um, yeah, right, I know. No. I, I would but, think the same, Chris. You know, unfortunately. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I don't blame her. I kind of suck, so not the point. But no, Kev Oh, you just that, called me Kevin, so that, that, that confirms it.
1: Yeah. That oh, Kevin, we it. miss you if you're listening, by the way. So
0: yeah, just in case, we I don't do. know if we
1: do or not. Bart obviously does.
0: Anyway. <laughs> anyway, let's get let's get into some sports talk because Major League Baseball is a total mess, and I'm getting really mad as a Cardinal fan because it just seems like more and more questions are getting popped up and. <laughs> Is that your
1: fire alarm? My
2: fucking fire alarm. No is there a fire? way, bro.
3: No way.
0: Is there a fire? I oh, don't know. I'm. I'm gonna bring the laptop with me, though. So. Okay, kind of want to see. Right.
1: What a podcast! This is great. This is amazing.
0: Did it stop? Oh. Even in there oh was it the microwave no it was the oven okay so i guess we just turned the oven on and we're gonna the entire apartment's about to blow up. it's at
3: 450 <laughs> i don't know why it needs to
0: be that high yeah no kidding are you, what are you making it was it was just a small a pizza do I, do? I don't i don't know do i let it cook <laughs> microwave <laughs> <maybe>. turn <laughs> it, it might off as
1: well now <laughs> Yeah,
0: sure. Is, I don't really I know is, to be honest. I've I never hope, heard of a pizza needing to be cooked at 450. I hope this gets clipped in. Look, no, look! Look at this! Look at this tiny pizza! Look at this tiny pizza! Hold on That is that is a microwavable pizza. You
2: do not need to
0: <laughs> bake that shit. No, I mean like it's the size of a microwavable pizza.
3: Right. Can I...
0: Sorry, do I, do? I really don't know. Oh my gosh.
3: I put it
1: back in. This is A+ plus content.
0: I don't know. <laughs> um, sure. Maybe lower the temperature a little bit and just let it cook a little longer. I, don't, I think the rules of cooking. Well, it's already at. <laughs> it is it? Yeah. It's Okay i I don't know what to do i i I think throw
1: that pizza away and uh order some food
0: uh, all right, yeah, if that doesn't go in the episode, then I don't know what should so <laughs> if you're listening to this right now, that's some a plus content. <laughs>
1: back to the cardinals we
0: go oh yeah that's what we were talking about i was trying to figure out no it's a small pizza though it's like and she really wants to bake it which i understand like i don't i don't like microwavable pizza i don't know about you guys i'm just not a big microwave pizza guy i get that she wants to i get she wants to bake it but 450 what what pizza needs to be baked at 450 especially that's small should
2: be fine maybe even 250 you know
0: that's what i told her i like, just put it down at 350 and i'll see what happens but just anyway. let it stay there longer yeah no kidding but anyway <laughs> huh
3: this tiny ass pizza so it needs to be cooked for 12 13
0: minutes that doesn't that okay just as a point of content guys that was like, what, an 8-inch pizza, 10-inch pizza, maybe. A 10-inch, yeah, super thin, and I said it needs to be cooked 450 for 12 to 13 minutes. <laughs> that would absolutely incinerate it.
3: It's on 450 for seven minutes
0: right now. I would have put it at 350 for maybe that long.
3: I'm just doing a test.
0: Man, that sounds bad. Yeah, just should do 350.
2: Or even 315. For yeah, 15 Bart's, minutes, this should Bart's, be fine.
0: Bart said 350.
3: It's too late.
0: It's too late, Bart.
2: I said it's too Bart late, Bart late Bart, to apologize. Alright, that works. It's to too the pizza. Late. <laughs> the, the pizza pepperoni is getting burnt.
1: Along
0: with the sausage. Along well, with the entire co- apartment complex. It's only pepperoni, so we're good.
1: <laughs> it's too 80. late. For the pepperoni.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. This is a great episode. Anyway, and then so, we
1: go back to the Cardinals. <laughs> okay, so the
0: Cardinals are making That are mad. burning
1: up just like the pizza. No yeah, kidding. same situation, actually. Essentially.
2: It's,
0: it's so frustrating because I'm a Cardinal fan, like some of you know. And Chris Ranji of 101 ESPN in St. Louis said he wouldn't be opposed to seeing the Cardinals being a sort of exhibition team for the rest of the season. Like it counts in the standings for everybody else who plays them, but it doesn't count for the Cardinals because they've missed so many games. And honestly, I'm not really opposed to that because it this is getting ridiculous. How many games have they missed? I mean, it's going to be like two weeks since they've played.
1: More there. than the Marlins, essentially. Yeah. That's what Chris Ranji said on uh, ESPN 1000 when he was on this afternoon with Carmen and um, He essentially said that they've missed more than the Marlins, and uh, there's going to come a point in time where the MLB is going to have to say, hey, you guys are either going to be an exhibition team or you guys are have to have to meet a game goal of, like let's just say, 50-something, 50, 50 games, let's just say, and if they don't hit it, Let's just say they're 49 and then they don't hit game 50. Then they're out of the playoffs, even though it's kind of not their fault. But at the same time, it is because they're breaking all the rules. So
0: No, I'm (laughs) not opposed to that by any means.
1: But, uh, yeah, I mean, essentially the new rumor, I don't know if yeah—if we were talking in our group chat, huh. is that all the bars around Bush Stadium uh, were open. They were following no rules at all whatsoever. All the nightclubs were open, and then they were just packed to the brim. And they, they you know, unfortunately, I don't know. Uh, I guess none, no one likes, likes to follow the rules in St. Louis. so
0: but They are <laughs> containing it within themselves.
1: exactly which is the wrong way (laughs) to do that
0: frustrating whatever and you know i don't think i think some people are just really overreacting to it too in the sense that we don't need to shut down the entire season we don't need to shut down the entire league because of one team like that's ridiculous you know like the teams like the cubs as much as i hate to say it but (laughs) um but the teams like the cubs are doing just a ton better right now. They haven't had a... Well, from what we know, they haven't had a single positive case. So, why should they get punished for something that doesn't even involve them? Yeah, you know I what mean, I'm the
1: bars around Wrigley are all open, um, but opposing teams apparently come to Chicago, uh, a.k.a. Cleveland Indians, and their pitchers that don't pitch decide to go out on the found, so and then get in trouble.
0: <laughs> Whatever. I mean... I think in the next episode coming up this Friday, we're going to have a lot more probably in-depth Major League Baseball talk about the standings and whatnot. And I would think that this whole Cardinal situation is going to be cleared up by then. I hope it is one way or another to where they either don't count anymore or they're playing again. It'll be figured out by then. But um, we'll definitely dive into some more Major League Baseball talk this Friday because – that's definitely a sport that we really want to to cover, and it's kind of a shame that it's being overshadowed by all these unnecessary COVID cases. Well, with another league, or whatever you want to call it, that's kind of in jeopardy right now, same thing with college football, too. They're kind of in big trouble because they don't know what's going on, and I'm kind of a bit of a proud alumni right now, but my alma mater at Northern Illinois, their athletic director, Sean Frazier, has kind of been the, the uh, sort of speak, like biggest voice in the room right now with the Mid-American Conference in the push to get the season postponed. And I think that's truly the best option for all of these leagues, or not all of these leagues, but all of these conferences. And I think that's what's inevitably going to happen. But... The thing with it is that a lot of these power five conferences, there's so much money involved. So it's a lot harder to make those, pull those decisions when, you know, group of five schools, there's not nearly as much involved in it and they can just say, yeah, we're not doing this this year. It's not worth it.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, the big 10, the president's apparently 12 out of the 14 colleges, they're having to say in this thing that they don't want to play. But then you have players and coaches on Twitter saying that the players are more safer or, yeah, more safe than in school and playing football than they would be outside in the real world, not going to school, not playing football, which is true. But at the same time, you know, college students and uh, last time I checked, college students, uh, when they're not following, you know, they, let me rephrase that, when they're not following rules, they don't usually follow rules after football, after school, whatever it may be. So that's going to be the hard part. But, yeah, I mean, if they get it figured out some way or another, it's going to be by postponing the season.
2: Yeah, and it's really interesting because uh, Justin Fields actually shared um, the post that uh, Trevor Lawrence posted about uh, we are united, we want to play. So going into that, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, he does want to play. Which is a huge surprise to me. Yeah, because he could pretty much go into the NFL like without without playing, he'd be the first overall pick. Oh,
1: absolutely! Yeah, even I mean, the thing is, like, if 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 uh, if the college season did get postponed to like the spring, I don't think he'd play necessarily because he'd want to probably prep for the draft and stuff. But at the same time, I don't know. Like, he probably still wants to win a ship for the school. So,
2: <laughs> well, that and it and it seems like so how you were saying that players don't really follow rules. Well, he was saying that, um, it's actually important for these players to have football because otherwise they're, they're out doing other things and, and football really is their life. So,
1: yeah, absolutely.
2: you know, so I, I think they both raise interesting points. Um, if they can actually mandate a health and safety procedure compared to the NFL, they kind of didn't release anything. Right. Um, if if they can actually create an environment where the players can be safe, then I don't I don't see why not.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it it all depends on you know a lot of these colleges have bigger stadiums than some NFL teams do, and I would think that the presidents of the universities just don't want to end up losing money because the the stands aren't being filled, and that's I guess you know another you know thing to think about as well. But at the same time, it's like. You know, as long as it's televised, then you're still getting your TV money, so you have really nothing to worry about. Well, like Clemson and
2: Ohio State, they probably make so much money off of uh, uh selling tickets for their seats.
1: Yeah, they're I mean, always, Michigan's always over a hundred, yeah, a hundred, a uh, hundred grand as well. Uh Over a hundred thousand, you know, seats. There's, yeah, some of these they're just they're so big, and usually they're so full, but at the same time. I get it as to why, you know, presidents would see that as a financial loss, but it's more of a gain for them if these players do play. And I get it, we're all like you know, like, hey, just just play, nothing's gonna happen to you. But at the same time, it's like they are looking up for themselves too. So it, it, the 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 thing is is that they're not paid in the long run yet. They will be starting God knows when, even if that goes through. But they wanna unionize, but part of the union is that, you know, you kind of have to pay anywhere that you're a part of the union. You have to pay union fee, and you can't pay union fee if you're not paid. So that's that's the whole deal with that.
2: Yeah, that's that's a really interesting point. I mean, I, I yeah. I, so I don't know if they can actually create a union. Yeah, I guess maybe once they start getting paid, then 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 they could. But
1: yeah, naming and likeness and stuff like that. So that's a it's very interesting to see how this you know, gets pulled off. NFL said that they're going uh, with no preseason, especially a month from today. I mean, there's going to be the first game. So this is, it's going to be very interesting to watch. It's crazy. Absolutely insane. I
0: don't know if they can unionize because they have to be recognized as employees of the university. Yeah. Like they right. can get, they can get paid by NCAA and they can get paid by sponsors and you get paid by EA sports or whatever. But if they're not employees of the university, they can't be unionized. So yeah, I don't think, I think that's ever going to happen. The only thing is,
1: is like maybe they'd be recognized as employees of their conference because the NCA is going to have like no say in that if that does happen, because these conferences have so much money, you know, by themselves, the, big, the power five at least too, so that they don't really need the NCAA anyway.
0: Right. Yeah, that makes sense. But, If you're a big college football fan, though, stick around for a little bit longer. We do, like I said in the earlier part of the episode, we do have a special guest that's going to be coming on, talking some college football with us, so stay tuned for that. Well, for episode twenty-six, we have a very special guest that is talking with, with us today—a former two-lane long snapper who made college football history as the first ever legally blind Division One football player. He's been featured in different articles and interviews done by the likes of Bleacher Report, ESPN, Sports Illustrated, and that's just to name a few. He also joined the ranks to become an NFL free agent, along with becoming a financial advisor, and a keynote speaker and helps host the Blind Audition podcast, and he's here to tell us a little bit about his story with getting into football with his journey and stories along the way. Please welcome Aaron Golub to episode number 26. Aaron, thank you again for taking the time out of your busy day just to chat with us for a little bit.
3: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to getting to know you guys
0: yeah absolutely you know we're getting we're really looking forward to getting to know you too you know it's a it's a big deal what you were able to accomplish and you know maybe the nfl dream if that was even there may might not have happened but man you're still making impact no matter what so it's awesome to get to at least chat with you and get to see your experiences from a first-hand point of view
3: yeah, thank you. And and kind of going on that, yeah. I mean, playing in the NFL thing, I wanted to do. I did my pro day, went really well. Talked to a few teams. Uh, you know, with long snappers, there's 32 guys. If someone doesn't get hurt or screw up, then they keep them for a long time. And it just, you yeah, know, didn't work out. But went the world of business, the world of speaking, and I love what I'm doing now. So no regrets at all there.
0: That's yeah, that's incredible. I mean, you know, as long as you're I feel like you're doing something afterwards. I feel like there's so many athletes that go into division one athletics. You know, they're like the star of their high school, even some of the star of their state. And that is the ultimate goal is making it to, to the majors, whether it's in basketball, football, baseball, whatever it might be. And then they don't get it. And then it's like, okay, now what with you, you had a plan in mind. It seems like, and you're executing it to, to the, best of your abilities and that's amazing.
3: Yeah. I mean look at the time like my my dream was to play in the NFL. But honestly, you know, I have dreams now of becoming, you know, one of the best and most recognized speakers of all time. And it's something where I think, you know, I'm putting in the work today to achieve that goal five, ten years down the road. And I think it will happen. And it's something where I'm going to make so much more of an impact doing that than I would if I, you know, trained for the next six months to make an NFL team and just didn't do anything else that I'm doing. So I love what I'm doing now. And it's, it's just such a bonus that what I'm doing really helps the lives of others.
2: Yeah. You're, you're, an excellent speaker. I mean, just, just hearing you talk right now, it's, it's, it, you're, you're really good at what you do. I, I also don't want to dismiss the fact that you are the 12th best uh, long snapper in, in the country coming out of high school. I mean, that is, that is really cool
3: as well too. Thank you. Do you know? I really appreciate that. I, you know, I worked really hard to kind of get where I was. And it was something where I didn't always play long snapper. I was an offensive defensive lineman until like sophomore year of high school. And I wasn't really playing much. I played at the end of games, but that's like, you know, playing garbage time when you're up or down big. And I really got to the point where I was like, I want to be a starter and I want to play in college. What can I do to get there? And I said, if I can get good enough at long snapping, then maybe I'll have an opportunity. And I mean, when I started, I was horrible. I remember going to a camp and I was snapping the ball like way over the Palmer's head. It just it was horrible. And from then on out, I just realized I need to put in so much more work than everyone else to be as good as them. So I would get up to five every day and practice snapping and lift weights every single day after school and just did that consistently for years and was able to earn a spot playing Division One football.
0: That's incredible. I mean, like, that's what you got to do. But there's so many athletes that will just go to practice at the in a high school. They'll go lift if they have to and then just expect it to happen. I mean, man, you're out there before the sun's even up practicing your craft. And so many athletes, I feel like, just don't do that enough. And they don't get to where they want to be. So kudos to you for doing that.
3: Thank you. And, and I don't think it's just with athletes. I think it's with, with anything. And so many people wonder, why do I not achieve my goals in business? Why do I not achieve my goals in school? Why don't I not achieve my goals with my relationships, my family, whatever it may be? And when you really evaluate it, if you track your progress, and and I do this on a monthly basis, I have an Excel spreadsheet, and I I have like my non-negotiables, my morning routine, every single thing that I have to do. And I look at it at the end of the month, and it's really easy to see what you're falling short and where you actually accomplish your goals. And the point of this is, you know, when you think that you're not achieving your goals and you're like, oh, I work so hard, track your goals, track your data and you're slowly, quickly going to realize, okay, I'm waking up at seven every day or I'm not really actually doing this much work. I'm, I'm watching Netflix too often. I'm going to bed, you know, too late and waking up too late. It's just, you'll quickly realize that you're not really working as hard as you are. And then when you track everything you're doing, you're like, all right, I need to hit these goals. I need to work harder because I'm really not and then most people don't get that most people think they're working harder they're really not
2: yeah that's 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 actually really interesting to hear for me as well too because I'm kind of in this I like that like this is a sports podcast but you are you are taking it to a life level right now so I just want to say like hearing that from you like that that totally makes sense to me as well too I'm in this period in my life where I'm kind of um, I'm in like a, like a haze. I don't really know what what I'm doing, but just hearing what you're saying, like, you know what that that is that is something that everybody's got to do, no matter who you are, right? No matter what you're doing, and especially for for athletes, like like yeah, you worked really hard to get to, get to where you're at, but but everybody's got to do that, no matter who you
3: are. I mean, you,
2: you look at what, some of the top players in in, in the NFL, and they are. They, they have incredible feet and that doesn't come just, just naturally. Like, they, they, like when you look at Odell Beckham and, and, and his workouts, right, and he's yeah. doing his quick feet, like that is, that is just training, pure training right there.
3: Yeah, and it, it's because he, he literally has in his mind, you know, he may or may not actually write it down, but he, he has in his mind that, okay, I'm going to do footwork every day. I'm going to lift every day. I'm going to run routes every day. And when you consistently do those actions every single day, They might seem small today and tomorrow, but over a 10 year period, you know, that adds up and you see the progress.
0: I got to ask, I really got to ask, but you know, you're the 12th best, best long snapper in the entire country, right? I mean, how does that, how does that feel? Like when you're in high school, was there kind of like a little bit of an ego boost in a way? Like, yeah, I'm the 12th best in the entire nation. Like that has to at least feel good in some way. So it was
3: was really interesting for me because I went from being a soft, you know, freshman year backup lineman, sophomore year backup JV offensive, defensive lineman to one of the best long snappers in the nation. One of the best overall players in Massachusetts division one athlete. So I think the shift was there. And I think definitely at times I probably got overconfident in myself. Um, And one thing I've really always tried to do, and I can't say I always did this, but I tried my best to, was I was told at an early age from a coach to learn how to toe the line between confidence and cocky, but don't cross that line. And it's the same thing that I take it to principles in my daily life now. You know, I'm really confident in everything I do, but I never want to be cocky. And I think in high school, I probably went over that line a little bit here and there as, you know, you would expect from a 17-year-old kid. Absolutely. (laughs) you got to learn to handle it. You can't let it get out of, the, out of hand. Um, but realistically, you got to understand that as soon as you get to college, you know, no one cares anything about your past records, your past results, nothing. You know, I stepped into a locker room. I was at the bottom of the totem pole, and I was in a locker room with guys who were you know, all-conference, all-state, all-American, some of the best athletes I've ever seen. And it was just a whole different world. So you really can't kind of let that take you over because – you know, three months later, you're going to be shocked.
0: <laughs> I mean, that, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense to me. But I got to ask too, because I saw this a little bit in my research before, before we started doing this episode. I did see somewhere, and I think this was in an article by Bleach Report, but I did see somewhere where they're interviewing you and they also interviewed your high school coach. And they said that you pretty much had one bad snap your entire high school career. <laughs> do, you, do you remember? Um, do you remember it?
3: I do. Um, That's the only bad snap <laughs> I've ever had in game. I never had a bad snap in college. Had one bad snap in high school. I was uh, very annoyed about it. I uh, yeah. I, I I I don't know what happened. I, it was. I, I don't know. I remember the school it was against Lincoln Sudbury, I rolled the ball back to the punter, and the other team when got it and pounced on and got the ball. But I yeah. I don't know. It just slipped out of my hands. I was not thrilled about that.
0: That's the ultimate learn from your mistake, right? You do it once exactly. and then you literally never do it again. So
3: <laughs> Something where I could have easily gone to the sideline and sulked, but instead I went to the sideline, got the kicking net and snapped 20 balls and did them all perfectly and got ready to go back in when it the time. You know, it's, it's how you react to that type of situation. It's the same thing with everything in life. If you take a bad situation and you let it own you instead of you owning it, then you're screwed. But if you take that bad snap and say, okay let's practice let's figure out what went wrong go to the sideline and fix it and the next time you go out there you won't
0: have that issue yeah that's 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 absolutely incredible you know and i know so many so many people that would just do it they said man uh, at that point for you you had a perfect high school record right you never had a bad snap you know other than practice we all we all suck at practice right so but that one time that one time and i bet that would that would that would have absolutely killed you at that point because for me i'm a perfectionist too right so i would have i would have definitely sulked over that so for you to be able to just uh, brush it off and say don't screw that i'm gonna go practice and we're gonna perfect this down so that the next you know 500 times that you do it it'll never happen again like that's mental strength dude
3: it was something also where like you know some of my teammates were giving me crap after because at that point I was talking to division one schools and they were like, how, like, why would you do this? You know, that's, you, you're supposed to be better than that. Like, like Oh, you're not that good. Just like, well, I'm going to fix it. And then two weeks later I'm going on a recruiting visit to a big you know, division one school. You know, it's just fix the mistake. Everyone has mistakes and you know, the best players of all time make mistakes. It's okay. Just don't do it the next time, the time after that, just fix it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And with that recruiting recruiting trip point that you just made, I also got to ask: like, what kind of offers were you getting out of high school? Like, were you seeing the Nick Sabans of the world popping up at your door, like offering you scholarships, or was it you know like Barton High School, you know, or it was a bunch of group of five schools like Niu, yeah, so, Tulane for sure?
3: Definitely not in Alabama, honestly. <laughs> First off, I I love Tulane. It was the best for for me. There's no school like Tulane. There's no city like New Orleans. It's just, it's incredible. And and anyone who's never been to New Orleans, highly recommend it, first off. But, um, you know, the schools that I I had an offer from Tulane, I had an offer to play at the University of Illinois, actually. Um, Those were my two biggest ones. I had, like, uh, from Michigan State, like a, yeah, you'll probably make the team come to school and you'll walk on when school comes. And I was like, That's not happening. Either offer me or no. Um, and then there were a couple like D three or D two schools um that kinda gave me offers, but I really wasn't interested in that. The biggest like visit I went on was I went on a uh visit to Penn State. Uh went to a game when they were playing Nebraska. It was a lot of fun. Loved it. Didn't end up getting an offer from Penn State, but you know loved the, t- the experience the recruiting experience is really cool honestly so much fun and my dad loved it too because he would get to travel to schools with me go walk around stadiums locker rooms sometimes games it was just it was a really cool experience
0: yeah talk about that a little bit more like what was the typical division one recruiting experience for you did they did they pull up to you at the airport with a limo and shuttle you off to the football facility like i i mean i wasn't anywhere close to even getting like a division three look for baseball when i played in high school so like i can't imagine
2: peaked in uh, middle school so
0: Uh, yeah junior (laughs) high junior high was my peak so like even today it still is so but but really like what what was that like what was it like getting the division one treatment
3: you know, it was a little different for me than a lot of other players, I think, in the sense of I wasn't a star quarterback. I wasn't a star lineman. And, you know, just I wasn't, you know, getting flown all around the country, getting picked up in a limo at airports. You know, my dad and I drove down to Penn State. We went to the game, had you know, a meal before, uh, you know, was there talking to coaches before and after and stuff. But it was definitely different than a lot of guys. But that being said, it was an awesome experience. I loved it, a lot of fun. Uh, you know, went to a few other games, but it was that—that that was honestly a really big notable one
2: for me. Yeah, what was what was the experience like just to be part of such a big uh, a big program? It was. I talk about your coach a little bit as well, too. Kurt Johnson. He he said a lot of. I watched an interview with him, and he he said a lot of a lot of awesome things about you and, and how hard uh, you work. So if you could say a few words about
3: him as well. Yeah, honestly, it was really incredible, and I'm so thankful that Tulane gave me that offer because. Going into a Division One program, there were definitely doubts about me. If I could play, what would happen? And I just kind of took that same mentality. If I need to outwork everyone else to be just as good. And I think Coach Johnson, Coach CJ, really saw that in me. He saw the extra time I was putting in the weight room, on the field, everything I was doing. And because of that, I was it gave me that opportunity to snap um, in, during my sophomore season for the first time, where I became the first legally blind do you an athlete to play in a game? And, and what's really funny is my first two years, we went, I think, three and nine. And so two months after I snapped for the first time, my coaching staff was fired. So Coach CJ was gone. And I was thrown into this area of, will the new staff give me an opportunity? What will happen? It's kind of like starting all over again. So when Coach Fritz came in, you know, we sat down together. He was unsure. I was unsure. We didn't know what was going to happen. We basically said, like, let's do spring ball. If it doesn't work, I'll quit. We can send this off to get and talk about us, whatever. Outworked everyone, proved to him that I could do it. Two years later, I was named a team captain during my senior season. And I mean, I've I've stayed in touch with Coach Fritz. I'm really close with him still today. He's been a huge mentor to me and, and so thankful that it really worked out with him because at first I was definitely concerned and nervous.
2: <laughs> that is so cool. I gotta I gotta ask as well, too. How much can you lift? Or like, what was your like max when you were yeah. w- when you were in college?
3: So my maxes that I've ever hit were I was benching. I could bench three forty. Oh my god! Uh, Four seventy five, I think. Deadlift like five ninety, and clean was like three fifteen. Oh, holy! Wow. Lost, lost some over quarantine, unfortunately. Um, can't wait to get some back. Got a real really good to get to that, but uh, yeah
0: holy cow dude like, that
2: is incredible
0: i mean you are completely annihilating like every stereotype about long snappers like oh they're they're only there just be just to just to snap the ball they're you know pretty much bottom of the totem pole it's like dude you're out it sounds like you're outlifting half the team
3: yeah i love i love the leader. and i still do and my biggest thing was i wanted to lift in as heavy of a group as i could i didn't want to be lifting with the specialists I didn't want to lift up the kickers and punters. I wanted to lift up the linebackers and running backs. Like what? That 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 wasn't fun for me if I was benching 200 pounds with a kicker. I wanted to throw up three plates with a linebacker. You know, that's that's what I was trying to do. And it was so much fun. And, and my coaches saw that. They saw that I was pushing myself. They saw that I was able to do that.
0: <laughs> that's yeah, absolutely that incredible. Just, just wow. Well, like, yeah. Yeah. I got to I got to know, like, is there a specific guy on the team that you knew that you wanted to go into the weight room with and compete with every single day? Like, I know you said you didn't want to be with a specialist and everything, and, and kudos to you just for that. But was there, like, a running back or a linebacker well, I, on the I, team?
3: I, say, I, I did have a couple specialists throughout the my career that would like really lift with me and I was fortunate about that because we would lift outside of weight room together and, and they were really strong as well. Um, you know, one of my kickers of like the twenty that I played with at Tulane was really strong as well. His name was Casey Spinelli. We worked out together a lot. And then one of the other long snappers who was there kind of towards when I was leaving, his name was Gary Etherley, honestly one of the best long snappers I've ever met, he was really strong as well and i would lift with him too so those those guys i would compete with and lift with you know were really the only specialists that i would lift with but besides that man we had a linebacker rajon margley who cleaned like 410 and i was just like that is ridiculous he was like on espn for it the video went viral like it was insane
0: i think i remember that i think i remember seeing a video like that and honestly just dreaming that maybe one day i could even get half there it was it was nuts so, that's incredible that had have been something yeah that i don't know this the locker room energy i can't imagine or the weight room energy like being there like seeing it on video is one thing but actually being there and feeling that energy that had have been incredible
3: and there's there's nothing like it. and and I that's definitely one thing I miss a lot about playing is just the energy in the locker room and the winter room, on game day, whatever it is. And you know I go back from time to time, you know, obviously it depends on what happens this year, whether or not I'm able to go back or not with everything going on if football will even play, who knows, but uh, right. yeah, I mean, i would I would love to go back to a game this year if possible. It's a lot of fun to just go back in the locker room. Help you know, pump up the guys, go be on the field with them. It's it's a lot of
0: fun. Well, even speaking of that, you know, Bart and I went to Northern Illinois. Um, I actually graduated a, a few times. Um, like Bart said, he's kind of in that limbo. So you know, whatever he's he wants to be like an EMT. So I guess that's something. But, um, <laughs> but you know, we're looking at the college football season coming up this year and actually the ad here at niu and i say here at niu because i still live in dekalb um but the ad at niu has actually been one of the louder voices in in the mac with getting the a group of five conferences starting to postpone their seasons. They're actually some of, you know, sort of speak the loudest voices in the room with the Mac, the mountain West. And now the big 10 actually has it has done it too. So like
3: the big 10 postpone their season. Yeah.
0: Earlier today. So I didn't, wow. To when the spring? I think so. I, I think so. I don't know if it's like,
3: so, completely right, canceled. I, I, want, I want to touch on that for a second because that's interesting.
0: Let so me what, let me let me do a quick Google search here just to just to be sure. But I swore I something saw something on Twitter that, that was, was like what, big
3: what are your thoughts on how goal season and the playoffs are going to go now? Because if the Big Ten postpones, that means there's a spot open because Ohio State's not going to make the playoffs.
2: Yeah, and I mean the I think the SEC said that they're definitely going to play, so they're undoubtedly going to take advantage of the situation and i don't know it's it's gonna be really weird the playoffs are gonna be are gonna be pretty limited so i'm really curious along with notre dame too because they're they're yeah. they're not technically uh binded to a league so, so it's yeah
3: well it, it seems like they want to play yeah so I, it, it, it's gonna it's, give other teams a better shot like i mean whether it be Tulane or someone else but let's just say the the American plays and SEC plays and not many other conferences play, whoever wins the American could have a shot at, at the playoffs, obviously, that means.
0: See, and that's yeah, the big thing. Be... Yeah, that'd Go be ahead, huge. That'd be absolutely huge and you have a group of five schools actually play. And, and um, the
3: thing is, in, that, in that, those conferences, like, there are teams somewhat who could compete. I mean, it depends on the year. But, you know, UCF for a while went, like, two seasons undefeated. And you hmm. never know. So they, there could be a team
0: um i mean u.s news has reported it uh the detroit free press has reported it i don't know how you know solid of sources you think those are but i remember seeing a few a few different sources on on twitter earlier today saying that yeah the big town's done
3: very cool interesting
0: yeah and that opens it up too to where what if a group of five schools now starting to to look look good like um I, I saw that Central Florida is getting their their quarterback back, and I can't think of his name for the life of me right now. Um, but if they do, I mean, he's he, he was a Heisman candidate. Yeah. So you take that with um, UCF was a was is still I should say a strong football football school at the moment. It's not unrealistic if if this continues that we see group of five schools potentially get in.
3: Yeah, you mean you never know, it, it, especially because if the SEC, I know a lot of conferences are going to play only in conference, and so imagine how beat up a team like Alabama and LSU are going to be by the time you know bowl season runs around if they're playing every team in SEC.
0: I found the name; it's Mackenzie Milton. Okay. No um, remember he was a uh, he was a Heisman candidate for a second for for uh, UCF. Okay.
3: Yeah.
0: Um. But and then he went down with some sort of super gruesome leg injury, and then they weren't. They wasn't sure he was ever going to play again. So it sounds like he's going to be back. But you know that that it it would be it would be cool to kind of see one of those smaller schools be on that national stage. But man, what a way to do it, you know? Yeah. Especially in the especially in the in the context of what 2020 has been. Um. um, um but going back to my original question, but someone who's lived the division one student athlete life like yourself, you know, what are some of the impacts do you think that would have on these athletes, especially when the season was supposed to be start in a, or when the season was supposed to start in about three weeks for, for the national stage?
3: Yeah. I think the biggest thing is these guys aren't prepared to not play. Yeah. And- you know, their whole life is football, most of these guys. Not everyone, but most people, their entire life is football, their sports. They don't a lot of people don't really care about the classroom stuff. They do it because they want to continue to play football. And, you know, that's not everyone. That wasn't me, but I you know, I love playing football, obviously. But there's a lot of things missing in the college football world that need to be added, you know, on top of football. And that's something that like I've really thought about trying to develop and bring to some schools is some sort of with my speaking with like mindset and working with teams on you know how they can transition guys after college what they can do with the guys in college to really prepare them for their mental game whether it be for on the field in school whatever it is it's a really interesting area that I've really looked at and trying to find a way at some point to break into because you know these guys whole lives are around football and once that's over you know they just don't know what to do yeah that's that's actually that's
2: really interesting because it's it's a problem in the NFL as well too you know you you think like the the NFL career is i mean if you're lucky maybe 30 years old and yeah. then you're pretty much you're you're almost ready to retire you know so for some players that's like one one, uh, one other contract besides their rookie contract, you know, and, and there's definitely examples of, of players that have struggled with life after football. And so, you know, that's, that's, that's a really good thing that you're trying to push for, because I think it is really, really important, even for college students that may or may not make it to the, the NFL, they got to have that, that plan
3: or, or, or some sort of a financial plan to, to get them, uh, get them through life. And, and I think that everyone thinks that, oh, the NFL is the only way I can make money after college. And that's so not true. And like, yes, if you are the next Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Drew Brees, you're going to make more money than probably any other career. But my point being, like, as a long snapper, I'm going to make a hell of a lot of money when I become one of the top speakers in the country than I would have as a 10-year long snapper in the NFL. So it, it just there are ways to make that type of money outside of football. It's just finding the right avenue that fits you and finding the career that your personality is suited for.
2: Well, not not only that, you have you have players that like they get these like large sums of money, contracts, you know, and then even while they're playing, something happens, they've you know, they make a few wrong decisions here and there and, and they're back to back to struggling, you know. Yeah. So that's I think it's definitely an issue that isn't brought up enough in,
3: in sports in general. Oh, it's not. I mean, look at like the Allen Iverson situation or the, uh, uh who's the other basketball guy, the, uh, I don't know. It's happening with a bunch of people who you know, have these insanely large contracts and then blow it all because no one teaches them what to do with their money. You know, they, they have no idea because they get this, you know, $50 million contract and they go buy seven houses, 15 cars and 80 Rolexes, you know, and they blow out their money.
0: Is So is that something that you're kind of looking to go into? Um, I know you're a financial advisor, but is that kind of your niche in a way? Is that you want to help these pro athletes who get these multi-million dollar, not only signing bonuses, but contracts and themselves, and then kind of guide them through, I guess, their financial life?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of things I'm trying to break into, honestly. And I think it just right now, I'm just networking and building my relationships and seeing where everything takes me, you know? I'd say really the two avenues that I'm interested in looking into, and I could do both, are working with guys on the transition or the, or the mental, mental side of the game, whether it be in college or, the, or both. And that could also include the financial aspect. That doesn't need to be one or the other. They, they pair together really well. So it's, it's something that I'm, I'm really thinking of trying to break into. But right now it's you know, develop those relationships, getting my name out there. Because if I go to a team right now, they're, I mean, they're going to say no. And that's totally cool and I understand that, but I have to build that name, build that reputation, and then over time these teams are gonna hire me to come in and work with their guys, whether it be on making a plan for the future, whether it be working on their mental game for on the field, off the field, when they retire, you know, whatever it may be. So so trying to find a way where I can really help those athletes is definitely what I'm interested in. Just the right way to go about it is still kind of in the
0: works. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how did you get into into financial advising you know so is that like a finance degree um from tulane uh personally i have a couple business degrees from niu i was i was more of a marketing guy uh i couldn't i couldn't do the formulas dude i could not get past that first finance semester and it just seemed impossible for me so again kudos to you for even just getting there
3: thank you yeah i mean look it's it's I didn't want to go into a finance role that was like very back end, like investment banking or research or whatever it may be. And and the role I'm in now is very relationship based. I mean, yeah, there's numbers, there's investments, there's all of that, but at the bottom line, you need to be able to build relationships. If you can't bring in people, then you're not going to succeed in your media fire. That's just the bottom line. It's a client. It's a relationship business first, a numbers uh, business second. And so, I wanted to be in a field where I could build these relationships. And then through that, I was like, let's also go into speaking. Everything I do is networking and building relationships. It might lead to something for finance. It might lead to something for speaking. It might lead to, you know, I have no idea, but I never rule anything out. I never push for anything. And I, you know, every single call yet get on is just getting to know someone. They might want to work with me for something. They might have an opportunity for me. I might be able to help them with something. You never know, but I just keep an open mind and work with people to, you know, build those relationships. But kind of going back to that, I mean, I had an interest in finance in college. That's what I majored in. I didn't know what area and then kind of, while well, I was exploring different areas. Like I said, I wanted to go into that area that was more building relationships than sitting at a desk for 12 hours looking at
0: Excel. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's incredible, you know, and, I think we really need more people like you in this world because you really show that it's not just about you. It's not just about your personal gain. Like You're willing to help other people grow in themselves as well. And I think we just need more people out there that that aren't selfish about their own personal well-being. And they're kind of looking out for everybody else too. So that's yeah. incredible.
3: No, thank you. And I think one thing that people don't understand is the best way to achieve your own goals is to help others with theirs. Mm-hmm. If you are a net giver then people are going to want to get back to you, it just, it's plain and simple. If you take, take, take and ask for things all the time from people, no one's going to want to help you. But if you give a lot of value to others and whatever it is, and when you need something, they're going to be so willing to help you because you've already provided so much value to them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a great mindset to have. So I, I, have, I, I have one more question yeah, for you. Actually, yeah, and then I have I have uh, one or two more.
2: Okay, all right. I want to go back to uh, middle school. What were you doing in the terrain parks?
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, when I was
2: snowboarding, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I I read it in a SI article that that yeah. you were. You were, you were out in the train parks, and uh, your parents were kind of, like, freaking out about it, but, you know. Yeah, so I still um,
3: snowboard, and I'm, I'm actually a volunteer instructor for, for people with different disabilities. My dad and sister and I all do that. But when I was younger, in, like, middle school and early high school, I was really into the train park. And then when I got really serious fo- about football, I just, you know, went to normal snowboarding because I didn't want to break my leg or something. But, yeah, man, I loved going on jumps uh doing like spins. I loved going on rails and boxes and, and trying to do tricks. It was a lot of fun. I got hurt a couple times, but that's kind of why I eventually stopped doing it and just normal snowboarding because I didn't want to get hurt for football. But man, it's a lot of fun. And and I, I love doing all
0: that. So actually that just led to another question because Bart kind of stole Bart just stole a question from me, I'm not gonna lie. Um uh, just knowing how to get it out, so he beat me to the punch, but have you ever heard of a place called Challenge Aspen?
3: I don't think I have okay I, I know Aspen,
0: but... you you gotta go to Aspen, dude. it's incredible um but this place is a is a is a business that that helps people with disabilities and it helps them learn how to ski and snowboard and do different uh different other winter sports that they wouldn't otherwise be able to do it's like an incredible incredible organization Uh, looks like bart actually just got kicked sometimes his internet just goes out so my apologies for that but um but yeah i had a buddy a buddy's brother that worked there and uh, he just told us all about it so i didn't know if you had you had ever heard of it by any chance
3: Um, Sounds really similar to kind of what I do out east here. But honestly, man, like I'd I'd love to do that sometime because I've, I've actually never skied or snowboarded in Colorado or Utah mm -hmm. or or places like that. So that's something that I'm trying to do within the next few years. I mean, I know traveling really to things like that isn't really a thing for a lot of people right now. So I'm hoping that, and you never know, maybe by this winter it will be. So I'm hoping that I can do that soon. Honestly,
0: I'll tell you this. It's, unlike any other skiing or snowboarding you've ever done. And I mean that in the sense that the Hills and in this case, they're not Hills, right They're They're actual mountains, but the mountains are so incredibly long that if they feel like they, they don't, they feel like they don't end. And when I got to go out there in Aspen, uh, it's called snow mass. It's like the, it's like the twin town or whatever. It's yeah. if you compare like Minneapolis and St. Paul, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, so it's right next to right next to downtown Aspen, but they got a couple of resorts out there, and this is where this Challenge Aspen place is. So I wasn't sure if you ever, like I said, I wasn't sure if you ever made your way over to the middle of Colorado over there. But
3: I haven't yet, but I definitely will.
0: That's yeah, yeah, you you definitely should. It's it's incredible scenery out there and incredible people too. Um, but before I let you go, uh, just tell me a little bit about what you did post football and how you kind of got started with um your your uh public speaking um your podcast as well and just kind of what's your favorite maybe memory or encounter with someone since you started with this
3: yeah so when i first graduated i actually moved to washington dc was in a different role uh in finance and paid it it wasn't a good fit for me and, and candidly, I was getting pushed out of it. it. It was something where it was like, either I was going to find something else or I would probably have eventually gotten fired. Um, and I, I don't say that often. I, I doubt, I honestly doubt I've ever said that on a podcast, but that's cool. Um,
0: Making history.
3: And it was something where I, it just wasn't a good fit for me. It just wasn't the right job for me. And that's totally cool. And you know, yeah. it was a lot of it was because of my vision for what I was doing. And I just networked my way back into a better role in Boston that was a better fit for me. Um, going on with that, You know, I had done tons of interviews throughout my entire life. And once I got back here, I was basically in this mindset of, in addition to this, I want to do something else to impact others, to, to create like a side career for myself where I can build relationships, network with other people, and make an impact on other people as well. And I was like, I can do speaking. and I can really... Really, you know, really deep, brought into teams, companies, events, whatever it may be. Uh, that's when I really started it. Um, the podcast is really new. I actually started the podcast about a month ago. Really for the same purpose—to try and get my name out there more, to just bring on individuals. Right now, it's really just been friends, but it's branching out to people just to network and, and build those new relationships. Um, you know, similar to reaching out to podcasts like yours to try and get on a new podcasts, share my story to new audiences, get more attention, whatever it may be, but. Man, throughout the time of speaking, I've been connected to so many cool people. It, it's insane. I mean, just reaching out. You know, I reached out to a bunch of people on Instagram. I've been connected to some of the you know, really best speakers in the country. I, I've talked to this guy, Ben Newman, who has become a kind of role model and, and mentor for me. He uh, you know, was ranked one of the top 50 speakers in 2020 this year. He you know, speaks to Alabama all the time, Kansas football all the time, and works with them really closely. In addition, you know another guy who you know, I suggest everyone looks up. He's honestly the best story I've ever heard. His name's Damon West, and a little background on him: he he played football in North Texas, he was, Texas. He was a quarterback, got arrested for burglary and you know drugs after football, sentenced to life in prison, essentially sixty-five years. Got out after seven changed his life completely now is a motivational speaker speaks all around the country at schools like clums in alabama all over is an author and a speaker uh and a professor his, his book is actually called the change agent and the coffee bean anyone who hasn't read them go check them out really incredible guy phenomenal person now like incredible story but man like people like that it just it's, it's incredible how small the world of speaking is when you really dive into it and get connected to all these types of people, you meet some really incredible people.
0: That's that's the stories you really like to hear. Um, I'm really glad that you did reach out to to us so we could get a chance to talk to you. I, I really am. This has been, this has been an absolute treat. Um, I do have one, one more question though, before, before I let you go. Um, have you gotten a chance to reach out to to Jake Olson at all?
3: So I've talked to him once or twice. Uh, we yeah. were actually, when I was in college, I think sophomore year. So I was sophomore. He was a freshman after I had played for the first time. And he hadn't played yet because it was still his freshman year. Uh, I think we did like a, either a podcast or a radio show together where they brought us on. And they were like, Aaron, like, what advice do you have for Jake? Jake, what questions do you have for Aaron? Blah, 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 like things like that. So that was a lot of fun, honestly, getting to give him a little advice. Um, Haven't talked a ton through the years. Uh, we talked, I think, like maybe six to eight months ago. Just I reached out to him, uh, wanted to chat about a couple of things. We talked a little, but uh, yeah, honestly, phenomenal person, great guy, and, and he's really an inspiration, great person. Haven't talked as much as I would like. I'm hoping that in the future we get to become closer friends and really develop a relationship, but he's a great guy.
0: He he seems like Uh, it. I mean, the entire college football world, I think you just heard Bart there. (laughs) He might be. Yeah, that was, that was, sorry.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's just my video that's not working. So I'm I'm glad I can at least uh, uh, say something. Yeah, that's fair. Um, sorry, sorry. Let me I just wanted to ask one more question. (laughs) All right. And uh so we are we are a a sports beer food podcast and I was wondering if you have a restaurant in New Orleans
3: or wherever that you you think is the best that there's nothing that compares to it. Dude, there are way too many restaurants in New Orleans that are (laughs) credible. Um oh boy. I don't know if I can even pick, man. There's so many I mean like There's so many authentic ones, like like places like Merrill, places like uh, Domelisi's, just so many interesting food, whether it be po'boys, whether it be, you know, different types of French or, or Spanish or whatever it is, type of food. It's such a unique city where if you go there, just try so many places because there's so many good restaurants.
0: Are you a big oyster guy by any chance?
3: I love (laughs) it.
0: So so, so have you ever been to Acme Oyster House? then? Yeah, Acme's good. I've heard so much about it. I've walked by Acme, but it was at like 830 in the morning. So they weren't open. And it was one of those days where like we were leaving the city that day, heard all about it. And don't they have like a 180 Oyster Challenge or something like that? Something ridiculous like that.
3: I'm not sure about that. But I mean, I know they have great oysters. I've never tried there. Hundred eighty oyster challenge,
0: but uh, yeah, man, they, they're great. Yeah, I, I saw something on it on like the Food Network or something like that. We're big food guys on this podcast, so you know that's that's a big topic for us. But I saw I saw a couple guys walk in there and they stacked up something like eighteen dozen trays of oh, yeah. or dozen count trays of oysters, and you see these guys just just down in these oysters, and you have to do it in something like a half hour or something like that. That's insane. It, it's crazy. Exactly. I, wow. But before we let you go, uh, just tell, just tell our viewers, just tell our listeners um, where they can find you on social. Uh, if you have a website, your podcast, and I know that uh, you've done a couple, couple other things. If you'd like to like to tell them about that. Yeah.
3: So my, my Instagram is really about most of my content. It's at Aaron J. Gallup, uh, my website, Aaron You know, feel free to message me through that or on Instagram. That's how people can book me to speak, book me for whatever it is. Um, And then also my podcast, Blind Ambition. It's really on all platforms, uh, Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, You know, go check it out. We started about a month ago, but looking forward to really developing and getting new guests on there and seeing where it takes me. It's really just for, you know, building relationships like this. It's a lot of fun. And so, you know, everything I'm doing is a journey. Feel free to reach out. Especially if you message me over Instagram, I unless for some reason I miss it, I do respond to everything. So feel free to connect. me. Somewhere.
0: Well, this has been incredible, Aaron. Thank you again for reaching out to us. I'm glad we can make this happen. I'm glad we could we could sit down for looks like about 45 minutes or so and talk. Um, go check him out on Instagram. Go message him. Go learn more about his story firsthand. Because as you've heard over the past 45 minutes or so, this is he's got a great story. So Aaron, thank you again for joining us today and best of luck to you in the near future. And hopefully we can talk another time on a later episode.
3: Thank you. I really appreciate it. Reach out anytime. Happy to come back.
0: Absolutely. Aaron Gold again. Thanks for coming on.
3: Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course.
0: Let's get to the sport that has had the most action to it thus far and the most shocking aspects to it, too. The National Hockey League playoffs have been insane. And at the time of this recording, we do know that more than likely the potential or the landing spot for Alexi Lafreniere will be the New York Rangers. And that is insane since the last. Podcast that we had, the last episode that we had, a couple of us even said the Rangers would be a great fit for him. What do you guys think? What do you guys think of the playoffs so far? What do you think of the Rangers winning the lottery?
1: Um, I mean, watching it, I don't know Bart. I don't know what you think at all whatsoever. Watching it, I was like, what just happened? But then I'm like, I mean, eh, whatever. It's New York. It's the draft? Yeah, as long as it's not Toronto. I mean, with the with the ball being dropped and then picked up again. I'm yeah, like, that
2: was that was really weird. Uh, uh, but still, like I don't think people should be going crazy about that. Like, yeah, it just so happened. Let's start but- a
1: conspiracy. Let's do it right now. So what do you think happened? Maybe, to, uh, maybe, uh, Bevin was on the phone in Toronto and, and they said that they're going to fire sale anyway. So maybe it was Toronto's ball and they picked it up. And then, you know, uh, lo and behold, it's the Rangers. I'm just going to stick with that. <laughs> um, sure. But
2: <laughs> I think it's all really stupid. Uh, they, they agreed on this whole draft lotto procedure before. Uh, before they they started this playoff series, they all agreed to this. So the fact that people are so upset about this is just kind of dumb, in my opinion. It was a bunch of balls floating around in this circular tube thing, just kind of like the lottery. And the Rangers won. I think it's a great fit.
1: I think New York needs it. So I'm not upset. The two biggest markets are picking one and two. New York and then L.A.
0: And then when Mitch Marner gets traded to the Rangers, watch out.
2: Nah, he's, <laughs> he's getting traded to uh, Columbus. Yeah,
0: I thought it was Chicago.
1: Or should the, you know, if Stan wants to give up uh, Seabrook, that's totally fine with me. <laughs> right, right. Speaking of be...
0: your Blackhawks, how about them Hawks? My God, how about them 12 seeds, though? Uh, yeah. yeah, seriously.
1: Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited. Um, I will say, uh, (laughs) I mean, Vegas is the best team in the West. Let's not get around. And Chicago might be the worst playoff team in the West. So especially after going into like, they they sold at the deadline, kind of you could say, because they essentially had a goalie tandem. They weren't doing so hot. They sold Leonard off, and lo and behold, hey, there is Leonard. on Las Vegas, and now they're going to be facing each other, and it's going to be great. I can't wait for it. Um, Max Pacioretty is back. Uh, I am scared for my life. What can't happen with what did – you know, first game was – you know, that was uh, the – essentially the turning point was the first game in the power play because I thought it was going to be good for the whole series against Edmonton. They scored three goals in the power play. But what can't happen is the pass that they did the rest of the series against Edmonton on the power play. They got to score. They got to score fast. They got to score quick. I don't know about you, Bart, but that is the key to this, is their power play. As long as they score, they will be in. If they don't, this is going to be very ugly, very fast.
2: Well, the Edmonton series, two lines really dominated that series, right? Jonathan Tays played lights out. No one else was winning faceoffs except for Jonathan Tays. And he was scoring; it, he was absolutely incredible. And then Kirby Doc's line when he got moved up with uh, Patrick Kane, that was beautiful.
1: That was a great All right, right. Uh, Doc and DeBrington. yeah, and, it, was, it was great. It was and, amazing.
2: And the uh, and the fourth line was actually really impressive as well too. I kind of uh, took a shot at them the last podcast, but they they really surprised me. They played pretty well, but Definitely. Vegas is such a well-rounded team.
1: I, man, I don't know, man. On all four lines, man. That's what
2: scares me. Man. I also don't think the Blackhawks are the worst in the West either. I think they, they could easily beat uh, Dallas and Calgary, in my opinion. Yeah. But Vegas, that'd be tough. It's going to be tough. I don't know. It's and just, if Leonard plays against us too.
1: At the same time, we did practice against Leonard the most. So, there, you know, there we got that going for him. I mean, my prediction, man, I can't believe I'm saying this. Hawks in six, you know, who knows? Wild times ahead. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I'm probably going to pick Vegas here. They're just – they're too well of a rounded team. Um, They have Max ready coming back too. I don't know, man. It's going to be really tough, but I definitely think that the Hawks can steal a couple games for sure.
1: Oh, definitely. Power play, that's the key though.
0: I had my serious doubts about Edmonton. Even though I know I picked them to go to the second round, I still have my serious doubts about them because everyone keeps hyping up McDavid and Drysaddle, McDavid and Drysaddle, McDavid and Drysaddle. Well, what else you got? I mean, I I know I know Drysaddle will be the heart winner, okay? I know McDavid is McDavid, okay? But what else you got? You know, yeah. they can't keep putting up four points apiece per night. Or you can't expect them to put or at least one of them put three points, which Connor McDavid or, did, which he did. Well, he he, did, he much, literally
1: did. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Pretty much
0: but scored what, three, three points a night, but it's like, what else do you got? You know, well,
1: Chris, you know, um, the McDavid situation reminds me of is Mike shot on the angels. It's like, what else? He got? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you know, eventually you're not going to get anywhere. If you don't have a supporting cast, they don't have a defense. They have, a goalie that's washed, and then another them goalie them that are that's washed. Yeah, essentially. And then the other one's like, I mean, you can go in because this one sucks. So, but hey, you know, it, it is what it is. Their five on five wasn't. It, they're they're still not that great. They, you know, I don't know if they will be great going. That practice.
2: last game was a tough loss, though. Like
1: it really was, man. Especially on that uh, that power play, the the major that they got. <laughs> that's, yeah, uh, they got they got Drake whole, Kajula. The Hawks, yeah, the absolute genius. There. Yep, that's all I'm gonna say. Bar, what's your prediction for the for the series though, with uh Chicago and Vegas?
2: Uh probably Vegas in six. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's fine. It's alright. Uh,
0: you know, I, I hate to say this for you guys, but I probably have Vegas in five or six, and I only say that just because with 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 Edmonton, I'm probably gonna keep saying that over and over. It's like what else do they have? They do not have a defense, they don't have goaltending. And the Hawks really exposed that,
2: and Jonathan Tays absolutely shut either of them down. Whoever he was playing against, he shut him down.
0: Exactly,
1: especially Ethan Bear.
0: My thing with Vegas is, I think that Vegas is going to find the Blackhawks discrepancies that they've been dealing with the entire year. And I, I know if you're a Hawks fan listening to this, old well, Dohan was injured. Well, it's like okay that's fine, and da- or Dahan was injured, Seabrook was injured. It's was like, okay, that's fine and dandy and all, but they still struggled with it a lot, and they still struggle on the penalty kill right now, and Vegas is a very good penalty or a power play team. So I think that's going to be a major discrepancy that they're going to get exposed to, and they're also very good defensively. So I just, I just can't see it going into seven. And I'm kind of having a hard time seeing it going to six too, but I can see doing it. But Vegas is making it out
2: for sure. Vegas Vegas plays a lot more of a simpler game as well too. So right. Edmonton they rely on flashy plays and Connor McDavid stealing the show. You and know
1: his speed. Uh, so um, but Vegas they're all they're all fairly quick. That's the problem too against our aging defense. That's. That's going to be the problem. I mean, fun fact. They're actually
2: one of the youngest teams. Actually. Yes, that's
1: what I was going to mention. The the Hawks are the youngest team uh, based on average age in the playoffs right now. Yeah, at like 24, 25. 24, 24? 24 point something years old, yep. Yeah, I know. It was amazing to me too.
2: <laughs> yeah, so our defense really isn't that old. I mean, Connor Murphy's like 25. Yeah. Hans around the same. It's just Duncan Keith is the outlier there at 36.
1: Yeah. <sighs> Uh, Chris, what do, we, uh, what, do you, what do we got going on with Colorado and, uh, and uh, Arizona? What are we thinking there?
0: Colorado and Arizona, it's interesting. I don't see Colorado having any trouble whatsoever. Um, I didn't think Nashville was that good to begin with. I was kind of surprised that, that they were even in the position that they were in, um, and Arizona exposed them. The problem with it is that I'm still sticking with my Colorado pick to go to the final. They just look really good in every one of their qualifying – or not qualifier games, round robin games. And I know they lost to Vegas, but that was a game they could have easily won too. So
1: That was a great last round robin
0: game that, too. That was, was a great, that was a great game. But I feel like I they're just going to get exposed. They don't have enough. They don't have enough of an offense. Their defense is fine. Kemper stands on his head every day, but I don't. I don't see them. I don't see them moving past the Avalanche.
1: Yeah, Phil Castle's always good in the playoffs, but Taylor Hall. This is only a second shot um, with it win in the postseason, so it's gonna definitely be interesting to watch. I I see this being one of the only sweeps. Um, I, it's it's just going to get ugly. I mean, Kemper is not going to be able to stand on his head for that many games. Maybe they'll steal a win, maybe, in overtime. That's it's, it's hard to say, but I just see him getting uh, very, very ugly against a very good in-team Colorado team.
2: Yeah, they're not going to be able to handle the amount of shots that Colorado is going to put on Darcy Kemper. And Kemper, he's probably going to have like 40 saves a night, but it's not going to be enough.
0: So, the one matchup that I can see that's going to be really interesting, at least in the West, because the East is full of them, in my opinion, Calgary, I think, has a chance to move past Dallas. Ben, Jamie Ben, and Tyler Sagan are extremely streaky. Extremely streaky scores. And they've,
2: been they've been
0: criticized for it in Dallas for the past several years now the problem with it is kind of the same way with the with the mcdavid dry situation you can't just rely on both of them even though it works for him and even though it works for him to get to the second round at least i don't know calgary's played in some meaningful games and they've looked really good and dallas dallas was a 30 second you know or 30 seconds away from not getting a single point in the round robin so that series, I can definitely see Calgary moving on from.
1: Here's the thing uh, Dallas has really good, two really good goalies, two really good defensemen. Even with Ben and Sagan and, and Pavelski, they still can't score. They can't score for the life of them. And that's going to be the problem here. That's why it's going to be so physical. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, Do you know
2: who's starting a net for Calgary?
1: No idea. Cam Talbot. Oh, great. <laughs> so, I mean... That maybe... does it for
2: me. And I don't think Calgary... They, they are the greatest choke, choke artists of the past few years. They have choked so bad in the playoffs. Despite the talent that they have, I think Dallas will suffocate them defensively. It's going to be like one nothing, 2-1 kind of games. And I see Dallas coming out... Um,
1: I'll give them five games. Ooh, I was going to say six for Dallas. For Dallas. I, really? Yeah, I mean, five th- games I was going to say six and only because I think they're going to have to switch goaltenders uh, in the middle of this. I think even though they have two good gold goalies, I think one of them is just going to do so shitty and then the other one's just going to come in and save the day for them. And that's just going to be like a one game deal. But uh, but yeah, I do see Dallas winning too.
2: Yeah, no, I don't. I don't trust either of their goalies. Uh, their defense is okay. They played Winnipeg, who lost uh, Shifley and Line A in the first game. So, and Winnipeg's defense was was not good. They they were a huge surprise that they got so far. But I don't. Winnipeg wasn't a great matchup. Even though I picked Winnipeg to win, actually, that's just how much I doubt <laughs> the Calgary Flames. Uh yeah, I just I I don't see them getting past anybody. Even Dallas where I just I don't think they're they're that great either, so.
0: Yeah, that that's interesting. That's really interesting. I just man, it's tough for me to pick Dallas right now. It just it just is it's just really hard for me to pick them. But I mean, if you guys have that kind of faith in them, especially in their goaltending, which I get, the goaltending is a lot better. But their defense I don't is a know. Lot Better
1: too. That's the thing. It, it really is.
0: It's just an eye test for me. Like,
2: Euro Heiskanen this, is a stud.
0: Yeah. And Jamie he is. Ben,
2: or sorry, uh, Tyler Sagan didn't play in that last game either. Oh, he didn't. No, he was. I wasn't States. able to
0: watch it. So okay, okay, maybe that changes for him if they if they just get him going. Um, speaking of getting, getting going, Kevin isn't here to dispute me on this so he can listen to it while he edits, but St. Louis and Vancouver, I want to hear you guys' thoughts first on this.
1: Christopher, if I were you, I'd be very worried. I get it. It's a round robin. I saw those comments on Facebook uh, on every single St. Louis Blues loss or whatever, maybe um, the fans were all like, oh, they don't have to get it going yet. I'm like, "Uh, now is a good time to get going. Now is definitely a good time to get going because, I mean, whether you like it or not, you came out of the round robin without a win and essentially you're going into – They won one. They?
2: Dallas they
1: really didn't. They lost in overtime. No. Lost oh no my god, out. that's right.
2: They're fourth. <laughs> yeah, they're four. Zero points, dude. Zero uh, points uh, part. Yeah, one point, I, they,
1: uh, one point I'm sorry. Uh, one point because of the overtime loss. I yeah. apologize. But I, again, you're you know, you're uh you you lost, you you get you went into overtime, you lost that game, got one point, fair. Whether you like it or not, the three straight losses going into a series with a team that is very, very hot right now, has hot goaltending. I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, I th- I want the Blues to win this for the sake of Kevin not crying. Um, That's exactly why I want them to lose. You know, but, you know, I, <laughs> for the sake of Kevin not crying. But I don't know. I... <laughs> Here, here's what I'll say. St. Louis in seven, but I wouldn't be surprised if Vancouver wins in seven either. Mr. Bart, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I definitely think it's (laughs) – I I think uh, Vancouver – I think they will pull it out. They played really well um, all across the board. Uh, Jacob Markstrom is an absolute stud. He played fantastic in the – qualifying rounds. So, and Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser, they can score. So, if St. Louis can't get their offense going, um then they're they're going to be in trouble. I think it will go to 7 as well too. Game 7 is going to be quite the toss-up, uh but I would I'm going to pick Vancouver. Although yeah. I kind of want to pick uh St. St. Louis cuz whoever I pick uh loses. So,
1: but uh, a good time But I'll,
2: I'll go with Vancouver because that's, that's that's
1: what I'm feeling. But, yeah, I mean, Chris, how do, you, how do you feel? You're the Blues fan. Like, you tell us.
0: I'm not feeling good at all. And the thing is, is that I'm not quite hitting the panic button. And I think game one is going to decide whether I smash that panic button or not because they didn't look good against the Hawks. And I get that that's an exhibition game, right? I, I get that.
1: I think that's where the folks got their
0: confidence from. I do too. I, I do too. They looked okay against Dallas, or not Dallas, Colorado. And the problem with that is the defense looked good. They shut down Colorado's, you know, their version of the perfection line, right? They shut that down pretty well. And it was just fate that had them lose that game. In my opinion, um, who was the next one? Vegas, Vegas again. They they had the lead and three straight goals. It it, it just got blown up. And yeah, same Vegas thing with just Dallas. straight
2: outworked them. And I think yeah.
0: Vancouver can outwork the Blues. Same thing with Dallas. It's like thirty seconds left, and they give up a they give up a a six on five goal. My biggest concern is is that. People are – a lot of Blues fans are saying, oh, they'll get their feet under, and they'll get their feet under, and this is just, you know, the warm-up games. It's like you don't have you don't have time to get your Yeah, feet they under don't have time to warm up. <laughs> you don't this, – this isn't the preseason, and then you have 82 regular season games to figure it out. This is the playoffs starting tomorrow, and you have guys like Vladimir Tarasenko who kind of looks – a little out of place in the offense right now like he's still trying to get his feet underneath him you guys we have guys like uh robert thomas who's emerging as this potential superstar center that is getting his legs into the offense and then you have other and then you have other guys like alex petrangelo who's in a contract year and They can't seem to get his defensive pairing right, even though it's so easy and just stick him with Carl Gunnarsson. And I don't know why that's so hard. So it's been really frustrating watching these past few games because it feels like everything should have clicked right now, and training camp felt like it clicked right now. So I am not quite smashing the panic button, but come 12.30 in the morning on Thursday you know, Wednesday night going into Thursday morning, I might be smashing the panic button because the first game is really going to determine what they're going to be looking like. Because Jordan
2: Bennington has been looking really good.
0: Bennington looks great. Jake Allen looks great. The goaltending looks great. The defense looks pretty good. The offense worries me a lot. So if the offense gets going... The Blues make a deep run in my eyes. If the offense doesn't get going, Vancouver might be moving on. So or, uh,
1: you, and it's a
2: tough. You, know, who, too, you know what
1: Chris reminds me of? You know us as Hawks fans in 2017, where you know it was Game Three, we were down 3-0 to Nashville, and then I'm like, Nah, whatever. I think we're gonna be okay. Game Four comes around, and I'm like, Nah, whatever. I think we're gonna be okay. And then Game Four ends, and it's gonna be like. What? What just happened? You know that—that's yeah. what he reminds me of—is you know us and I mean at least me in 2017, because I'm like I'm not you know going to smash the panic button after that was the well,
2: worst
0: year ever. Yeah, well, it was horrible. I might be after the first game. So if the Blues look really, I'm not going to say slow, but if the offense just doesn't seem like they're clicking like we were used to. When the shutdown started, then I'm going to get really worried. But right now, I'm kind of like, okay, what do you got for game one? You've saved, you've quote-unquote saved your energy. You've quote-unquote saved your bodies. You've quote-unquote like done everything you can to keep yourselves fresh. Now show us what you have. And if they can't do that, then I might be smashing it. I might um, be smashing the panel
1: I don't up. know what you were doing there, Chris. You got me kinda weird. I was like, where did you go? I was so
2: confused. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, what are you are you gonna like killing a like a bug or something? But, <laughs> yeah.
1: Flash water. That I being said, be, Chris.
2: I, I might
0: be what's your hit.
1: prediction though? What's your prediction after that? All all that being said.
0: You know it's tough. It really is. And like I think I'd have a better prediction after game one, but I wanna say that I wanna say the blues are gonna advance in six or seven, but I can't make an accurate prediction until after game one. I really can't. But like I said, if they get their offense going, Blues are going to advance. If they can't, I think Vancouver does. So I am a little worried. But as a Blues fan, yeah, I am a tad worried. (laughs) Let's move on to the East because that's where it gets really interesting. Um, Let's start with, in my opinion, the least interesting matchup in here, and that's the Flyers in Montreal. And Montreal shouldn't even be here. This should be Philadelphia and Pittsburgh because that's what everybody in the world wanted. And the Canadians just kind of came in and said, screw that idea. We're going to just mess up everybody's plans, and Pittsburgh's got a shot at the number one pick. So what do you guys think this prediction's going to be?
2: That was insane. The carry Price... Was incredible. He undoubtedly cannot keep that up. And not Philly, against
1: the studs of uh, that that uh the flyers have.
2: Yeah, Philly is looking so good right now. And uh, Carter Hart. I said this before the playoffs started. If he's if he's gonna be on locked in, the flyers are gonna they're they're gonna go deep. And I think we're seeing it. They they stole the first seed, and they deserved it. So, absolutely, fl- uh, Flyers yeah. and four.
1: Here's what I see with the Flyers. All 12 of their forwards literally can score a point. Uh, I, I know that, you know, obviously it's impossible, but, I mean, they can all contribute is what I'm trying to say. And against a team like Montreal where, uh, I don't know, I mean, the two biggest stars are essentially right now Max Domi and Jonathan Drew, and they're, they're going to have to do something. And I don't know if they're going to be able to, especially it's Carter Hart, where, I mean – I, you know, I guess Montreal's goaltending—that's what you know really got kind past the Penguins with uh, Carey Price's big saves. But this is just not going to do it. I mean, this is going to be super lopsided. I hope I'm proven wrong by Montreal, uh, like I was, you know, in the past the past week. But I think it's going to be a sweep. I think this is going to be
3: an easy 4-0. I don't know.
0: I don't know if it's going to be a sweep, but. You know, here's the thing, though. There's still a chance where the two 12 seeds are playing for the cup. Wouldn't that be insane? <laughs> I Maybe mean, especially insane for you guys. You guys are Hawks fans, but like, well, Chris, no, you know, role. I mean, you say like, that,
1: I would cry. Uh, I would probably cry through of joy, and Kevin would would I don't know what he would do. I'd be afraid of what he would, what he can do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, I want to say something that's more more frightening but not for us. Lightning Blue Jackets. I can't believe it's happening again. I really yeah. can't believe it's happening again. That's going to be our first really interesting matchup. The Blue Jackets and are going to be
2: gonna, a good one. Blue Jackets I are coming think...
0: in with a sweep.
2: Oh my goodness, not again. No. Why?
1: Oh uh, <laughs> no.
2: The, no, the, I
1: think it's a huge retooled. Yeah, I was yeah, Bart. Sure, but uh, then again, their best defenseman, possibly one of the best defensemen in the NHL, is probably done for the series. You know what I mean? He looked yeah. very upset when he was coming off the ice in the last round robin game. So Victor had been. So I don't know if the Lightning can necessarily, you know, really. I, I don't know, man. I, I can't. They tell won't you. dominate. They won't dominate, but they're they're gonna win. I do and, think the Blue Jackets have the hot streak going for them, but that's just me.
2: Yeah, I mean they they almost lost to Toronto though. That was that was a great series, um, but I think that uh, the Lightning are similar to Toronto, but they're also better because their defense is a lot more complete, and they also have uh, some defensive forwards that can help them out defensively. And so, and not only that, they can just, they, they can score at will. Which they won't against um, uh, Columbus, but they, they're going to be, they're, they're going to be good. I'll, I'll, I'll give, uh, I'll give um uh Tampa Bay lightning in six.
1: I was going to actually do the jackets in seven only because, I mean, at the same time, it's like there, I don't think there's going to be a repeat of last year. But you know, there uh, it's going to be more interesting. Plus, I mean, the Lightning do have a little bit more help with, especially with Hedman out. I mean, Sergachev and Chattingkirk are are all there too. But it's just, mm, I don't know, man. It's going to be tough without that guy, that one guy. So I mean, and plus they're just, I mean, to me, they're just used to playing uh, without. Um, What's his name? It was so long that I forgot. Stamkos. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he, should be,
2: he should be back at some point.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I'm so. just saying, I, I don't know how well the lighting are going to play. If they're going to sink, and it, it worries me. That's why I say Blue Jackets and seven. I want to be wrong. I want the lighting to go on, but, you know, Blue Jackets and seven for me. The lighting and the Blue Jackets.
0: See, the Blue Jackets look really good. They looked really good against Toronto. And the problem with Toronto, in my opinion, is that they just can never put it together for whatever reason it might be. And the Blue Jackets seem like they just had it all together. And I don't know what's going on with Victor Hedman. I don't know if he was injured. I don't know if he's mad about something. But
2: He was hurt. It's, yeah, oh, was
0: hurt. it's something with his ankle. Oh, okay. I didn't see that play. That's what I. That's what I thought. I. That's how I interpret it. So my bad to my listener to the listeners. I um, don't want to sound ignorant, but anyway, that, I think that could be a series-changing type of injury. And depending on whether he comes back or not, I think would sway the series. But I don't know if it's going to sway the series enough because I think Tampa Bay is so fired fired up from last year that they're just not going to let that happen again. So with that being said, it'll be Columbus in five this year.
1: <laughs> fair, fair enough. Yeah, definitely.
0: Oh, seriously, I think Tampa Bay wins this series. I, I just think that they, 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 they'll they never forget last year. And,
2: and Vasilevsky's going to be better too.
0: Yeah, he will be. Um, Speaking of kind of – revenge, I guess, in a way, or at least a rivalry. I mean, Trotz is returning. New York Islanders and Washington, I think that's going to be a fun one. But I think Trotz is going to kind of know what those players kind of have to offer. And I don't know if that's going to be any type of advantage for the Islanders or not, but it's kind of an interesting thought at the very least, I think. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, they, they played the Island or sorry, the Rangers in the qualifying round. Um, and the Rangers they just completely folded. Uh, the Islanders didn't really have much of a contest.
1: The it's Islanders great.
0: played the Panthers, good sir. Yeah. Carolina played the
1: Panthers. Oh, I apologize. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You better apologize. You say sorry yeah. right
0: now. <laughs> you better say sorry. No,
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. sorry. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um
2: so yeah, so so the Panthers even worse. Uh, they they were not good, and so they didn't really have much of a contest against Washington. I think it's it's gonna be really interesting. Uh, I think this is gonna be the closest series actually. Um, yeah, so I don't really I don't really know who to pick here, but because uh, the Islanders they they do really sound like a like a solid pick right there, but Washington has the experience. But Holtby's not that great. I don't know. I think I think we'll just stick with Washington just because of the experience. And Tom Wilson is he's just he's just different. He's not he's not like any other player in the league.
1: Uh I mean I could say the same uh but about John Carlson. You know, that's what the Capitals have. He's really their like Swiss Army knife, you could say. Um the Islanders are they're deep, but I <laughs> I don't know, man. I think this is going to be so, like, because of, like, how good the Islanders are in defense, it's going to be so defensive-heavy that we're going to see a lot of 1-1, 2-2 games that go into, like, double overtime, and I feel like there's going to be a lot of those games, and by a lot, I mean seven (laughs) again, (laughs) but I don't know. In the end, I think the Caps with their experience do pull it out against the Islanders, but, you know, it's not going to be easy.
0: Well, finally, we have the Eastern Conference Finals rematch last year, and Boston pretty much made Carolina look like a complete ragdoll last year. They just, they just swept them out of the playoffs. Boston and the Hurricanes, I think, is an interesting one because, again, the Hurricanes look like a team that looks really good, and Boston has looked really shaky. So, with that being said – I think Carolina takes this one because it just feels like Boston. Boston's kind of like St. Louis in the East. It just feels like they haven't quite gotten their legs underneath them. They're still kind of getting their chemistry back. And I don't know if they're going to be able to pick it up where they started from or where they left off when the, when the season paused. But if they do, then – it's going to be a different story. It's like the Blues again to where if they can get their legs underneath them, get the offense going, they have a pretty good, pretty decent chance at winning the series.
1: Well, I mean, like the Blues, the Bruins also lost all three of their games uh, getting no points though because of no overtimes. And, but the thing is, is that the Blues really never really looked awful. They just looked slow. Boston just looked awful. Um, I didn't watch any of their games, but their highlights, it just, they just looked bad. And they scored four goals uh, those those three games, too. And it just, I, I don't know. I, I don't see it ending very well for Boston, either. I think the Hurricanes are going to be faster. They are, uh, they are definitely motivated after beating the Rangers, although beating the Rangers is no tough task. But... I, I don't know. I think the Hurricanes actually pull us off in five. It's not going to end well for Boston at all. I don't know about part. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I'm actually in, in agreement with with all of you. I think you know uh, Tuka Rask looked okay, um, and Carolina they they look fast, and that's without Dougie Hamilton and Brett Pesci. So if they get them back, good lord, it's going to be it's going to be rough for Boston. So I I can see Carolina pulling it in in, uh, in six.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, the last thing I want to say is Reimer and Razek actually look pretty good against the Rangers, too. Boston does have Tuka but a very aging Tuka so we'll see how that goes.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun first series, but I think we're going to have a better idea of kind of, especially the round-robin teams, how they've picked up, and if they've gotten their feet underneath them, if they're starting to click, starting to click, then we're going to kind of have an idea of, Maybe any round robin team survives the first round. There are teams obviously like the Avalanche and the Flyers. I think we have a pretty good idea that they're gonna make it past. But the other teams so we kinda don't know. So that'll it'll be a fun, fun week to see. And I know next week it's gonna be there's gonna be more of an idea of who those teams might be. Chris, so
1: really fast before we end. Here are the top free agents. I'm going to name them, okay, Okay. for next year. You're going to say if they're going to re-sign with the current team Uh or not. Ready? All right, let's go. Alex Verchangelo. Yes. Braden Holtby. No. Corey Crawford. Yes. I don't know why he's considered a top free agent, but I get it. I get it. Taylor Hall. Keep in mind he's a six yes. million dollar cap hit. So and you think he gets re-signed with Arizona?
0: Oh he's a six million now. Yeah. Yes. Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Yes.
1: Ryan Callahan. No. Uh Mikel Granland.
0: Granland. That one's a tough one. I would my my first thoughts, yes. Tyson Berry. Barry, no.
1: Yeah, they got a lot going on over there. Uh, Miko Koivu.
0: Koivu. Yes, if they would have gotten the number one pick.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say he should have gotten traded at the uh, trade at the deadline because he just he deserves that. So Justin Schultz.
0: Schultz, yes.
1: Mike Green. I mean, it doesn't really matter, but <laughs> <Mike> <laughs> I don't Green, think so. no. Yeah. No. Uh, Tori Krug.
0: Tori Krug, yes.
1: And then David Clarkson.
0: I'm not sure who that is, to be honest.
1: Yeah, me neither. Never okay. mind. It's okay. I say <laughs> so, yeah.
0: <laughs> I say Petrangelo, yes. I'm going to go through the through the top three that you picked. Um, I'm going to say Petrangelo is a yes because I have this feeling that he is not going to get his legs underneath him, and then that's going to be used as leverage, and his value is going to be brought down a little bit. Um, or he
1: might be the best player, but the blues still wouldn't be able to pull it off in that had, round. That's the worst yeah, case scenario. Yeah. You know what I mean? He still plays lights out, but they still don't pull it off. And I think maybe that's his like endpoint. So I'll do too. it's uh, very it's gonna be a very interesting series, so we'll see how that goes.
0: Yeah, and all of those were just very split second decisions. Um who who is next? Holby? Yeah. Holtby, no, because I he, he doesn't feel like he's inspired right now. He does not feel like an inspired or motivated player. And I think, uh, what's his name? Samsonoff. I think Samsonoff's going to own that.
1: Yeah, in the long run, I think Samsonoff's going to own the starting spot in, in Washington, too. Um,
0: and then who is the third one? Crawford. I mean, he's going to be 35, Crawford, 36. 36. Crawford, I said yes to because yeah. they don't have any other options.
1: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say too. I'm like the Hawks aren't really gonna want to pay for a goalie. No. The Hawks with the goalies are, you know, like paying for running back in the NFL, NHL, yeah, uh, in the NFL. I'm sorry, so, I guess we'll go from there. But yeah, yeah, I mean,
0: it's a good end to the show. <laughs> Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for episode number 27. Again, whether this is your first time or you're one of our loyal listeners, thank you again for coming along for the past hour and a half or so. And yes, thank you, the listener. We appreciate your support greatly. If you like what you heard, please like, subscribe, rate this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast streaming site, along with following us on Twitter and Instagram at ITMPod, or just search Inside the Minds. Join us this upcoming weekend for episode number 28 as we start to look at the shape of the NBA playoffs are going to be taking along with how the first few games of the round robin of the Stan- or the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs are going. My bad for that slip, and maybe we'll know a little bit more about what Major League Baseball is going on, especially with the St. Louis Cardinals. Thank you again for joining us, and thank you again, especially to our guest Aaron Golub for joining us on this episode and we will see you all again very soon